During worship, I, I was, there was two songs that kept coming to my mind. One is by Matt Redman, and it's called... I have no idea what it's called. 10,000 Reasons? No, Edith, it's not called 10,000 Reasons. It's called Heart of Worship. When the music fades, right, and all is stripped away, we will simply come. And there's another song by a guy named Jimmy Needham, and the song is called Clear the Stage. And the, the lyric is, if I put anything before me and my God, it is an idol. So clear the stage, set the lights ablaze, turn it all off, and let's go back to a heart of worship. And a part of what, what I feel God is calling us into and you know that for me, this has been somewhat kicking and screaming for me. Um, because there is an element of us in the church world today that we want it to be fancy and well put together. We want it to look like something. We have an idea in our head of how it should look. And I'm not saying that those things are necessarily wrong or not what they should be. It's just when we lose our vision and our focus on Christ, when we lose what it is we're actually doing, then all this becomes worthless. And I think it's safe to say that just about every church leader will wrestle with this challenge that myself and Jess wrestle with regularly. And it's not because we don't enjoy doing this, it's because we're asking ourselves, Lord, is this really advancing your kingdom? Is this really bringing what you want us to bring? Is this really revealing who you are in a city and in a nation? God, is this what we're supposed to do? Is this what it's supposed to look like? And when we come to a place to worship just like that, like Sean and Sheree led us in, that makes it all into perspective that, God, we come here to glorify your name. Amen. That we come here not to hear some fancy guy speak or not to be in a fancy room or drink fancy coffee or to have any of those things. We come here, God, because you asked us to gather and glorify your name. And that's what we want to do. Whatever that looks like, however that looks, in whatever aspect we bring that, that is our heart of worship. And as we've been dreaming and, and thinking about where God's leading us and what this all looks like. And as I said on Sunday, as we were packing the tents, sorry, packing the, the container and God led me back to the tents that Abraham erected when he put up and he said I will bring Lord to you an altar of praise and worship and in this season what we want to do is bring wherever we go I, this hall is we've booked it for the next month but at any moment they could ring us and we're out and we go to another hall or we go to a park or we go somewhere and regardless of where we go and regardless of how unprepared I am and the things that I forget to bring and put together we will bring and create an altar to the Lord. We will come with a heart of worship to say, God, this is all I have and I bring it to you. We will stand and sing. We will stand and worship. We will read scripture as messy and as upside down as it looks, God. We will come and worship you because you are worthy. The simplicity of his gospel is to come and to love him and then to love others. That's it. That's the gospel. That's the gospel in all of its complexity is for us as a people to learn to the best of our ability to love God with all that we are and then to love those that are beside us with everything that we have. That's it. So when I was thinking through what I wanted to speak on and, and if I wanted to speak the morning, this, morning uh, this evening, God led me to Habakkuk too. So if you've got a Bible, jump to Habakkuk. 
Was it Josh or Caleb's name? Which one was it? That's my dad, everybody, P. Rad, and my step stepmom Bon. Yeah, give P. <laughs> Johnny, eh? Giving him a warm clap. Habakkuk. He was going to name my brother Habakkuk. What jokes we would have had if that was the case, eh? <laughs> jokes for days there would have been. Habakkuk two. Now, I want to preface this verse before I, s- I read it to you because I've read it before, we've discussed it before and just about every uh, Vision Sunday you may have ever sat in you will probably have read or heard this verse read, right? Now, for me, I don't like to do a Vision Sunday. Why? Because it, a vision is something that is complete... Um, what's the word? Constantly is constantly renewed, rewalked out, re-explained, rewritten, re-put forward. So it's not just we're going to do it once and then we're going to, that's it, and you guys all have to remember it. We want this vision to, to continue to be a discussion that we have all the time that is being reiterated and reiterated to the point that we get over each other talking about what the vision is. And I think that when I explain where I think we're going, it, it is a, a deeper um, depth into where we've been, but also a simpler understanding. Because this discussion in Habakkuk 2, 2 to 3, it says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Now it says there, The Lord answered That's because in Habakkuk 1, at the end of Habakkuk 1, he asks a question to the Lord, or he actually complains quite substantially. He has a good tantrum, toy throw, out of the cot moment with God. And he he whinges because God has been quite brutal or unfair, he feels, to the enemies of Habakkuk. And he comes back to him and asks him a question. He says, Lord, why? What are you doing? Why are you entering with such brutality? In a sense, he's also asking, where are we going? This, what what God responds, is the answer to that. He's saying, Habakkuk, write the vision. Write what I tell you to write. Make it really, really plain, really clear. Where I'm taking you is the place you want to be. He's saying to them, don't worry about your perspective of the situation. Don't worry about where you think I'm taking you. Don't worry about what's going on around you, that it seems unfair, unjust, or not of me. Don't worry about all of that. Keep your eyes on the vision that I'm going to tell you. He's saying to Habakkuk, stop whinging and trust me. Stop whinging and trust me. And I think for me, that's a good word. That's an amen right there. Stop whinging, Ben, and just trust him, right? Because at times, especially in this Christian walk, we think that it should go a particular, a particular way. We think that it should be designed or outlaid the way that we think it should be designed or outlaid. And although we know the scripture, his ways are not our ways, and we say that and we put that on our fridge magnets and our bumper stickers, when it comes down to it, we don't actually believe that. Because we do think that we could do it better. We do think, well, actually, I'm pretty good at working this out. But what Habakkuk is saying, Lord, stop doing it your way. Please do it my way. And the Lord responds to him, Habakkuk, make it real clean. Write it down. Why? So that those who read it may run with it. 
so that those who hear what I'm doing and hear what I'm saying may run with it. The reason you guys are all here tonight is because you believe in where we're going as a community and you've seen what we've written down and you want to run with it. And for Jess and I, that's incredibly encouraging because this is not an easy change. It's not a, a simple move. It's unnerving because in some senses, we are going back to a grassroots rebuilding of this community. We are leveling in some sense what's been there before and we're able to rebuild and restructure what that looks like. And the difficult thing in building is that it requires work, right? It requires hard work. It requires not, sometimes not being able to see what the infrastructure is going to look like, not being able to see what's coming around the corner. It requires being tired and, and frustrated and learning how to walk through those things. When Nehemiah went back to build the walls of Jerusalem, it wasn't an easy feat. He wasn't walking into an Ikea workbench to just screw it all together, although that's not very easy. Oh, I will admit. But he wasn't going back to this simple, well-put plan. He was going back with one thing in his heart, trust that God will do what he said he's going to do. And I think for some, in, in some degrees, we, we are standing th this Sunday as the beginning of the, the, our community that God is going to build into the future. And I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea where that's headed, whether that is different to what it looks like now or it's this for, for the next longest while while we all get discipled and become, become true disciples of him. But what I know is that we are at the beginning, the, the grassroots, if you will, of, of a church, almost like a church build or, or a replan, if you will. And I think that that can, again, be terrifying but exciting at the same time. Because sometimes something established is... I'll tell a story. We, Jess and I, just moved into our new house, which we are very excited about. Thank you. Thank you. But I went on Friday to do the pre-inspection before we got the keys to move in. And we went and looked at the house, and I walked in, and there was a, a leaky tap in the corner. And the guy said, hey, the tap's leaking. It's up to you. We can delay the settlement. We can get a plumber out, we can fix it. And I rang dad and said, hey, there's a tap leaking. I don't really want to delay it, but I don't know what it's going to cost to fix it. This was dad's advice. Step out of the, the um, laundry, poke yourself in the eye, and you won't notice the dripping tap anymore. <laughs> Sound advice. So I did just that. I, I looked at the agent, and he looked at me, and I said, this was my dad's advice. He laughed, I laughed, we moved on. We didn't really break it down. But what he was saying was that this place is not perfect. There's work involved. And what was frightening, if I can use that word to me, and I said to Jess when we went back in together, to when we got the keys, Jess said, you don't seem super pumped. And I said, I am. I just can see the work involved. It's a beautiful home, but I can also see that it's mine now. This is a, an investment where that's not a broken fan. That's my broken fan. Right? That's not a leaking tap. That's my leaking tap. Right? So there was this almost this overwhelming, like, I'm not a builder. I don't know how to fix a tap. I could write an email about a tap that's broken, but I can't really fix it, right? So there was this nerve in me, this, this challenge of, oh my goodness, almost overwhelming. And there's two responses that we can do in that. It can cripple us with fear and we do nothing. Or we go, all right, Lord, you brought me here. Let's go. 
I'll YouTube how to fix the tap and the fan, right? I'll, I'll, I'll do a mail and I'll put it together with some wire and we'll move on. <laughs> It'll work. It'll work, right? And I think that that can be the same principle that we have in this is that we can look around and say, man, there's so much that we dropped this evening. There's so much that's not here. There's so much that's missing. There's not this or there's not that. There's, 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 this is not my idea of what I thought. Or we can look around and say, there's a lot of work here to do and there's a hammer on the floor. So I'm going to pick it up and start hammering. I'm going to take a part of what God has asked me to do. And I want to, I want to say this, that Jess and I want to make this as organic and as non-scripted as possible. We want God to move in this place. I, I know that you guys all know this, but I really don't care for the lights or the, the, the cameras or the action. I just don't, that stuff doesn't really excite me. I care for us to touch heaven. That's what I care. I care to bring the kingdom, whatever that looks like. But that can bring with it its own challenges because sometimes that means that there is no structure. Sometimes that means that there isn't a real solid start time. Sometimes that means that there isn't an end to worship. Sometimes that means that the, the sermon goes for longer than we anticipated. Sometimes that means we forget the tithe bucket. Sometimes that means we get, we get caught up in heaven that those things don't matter anymore. But I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that it becomes a free-for-all either. It doesn't mean it becomes a... Everybody gets to have a say and come in and, and, and make it what they would want it to be either. Right? Jess and I believe strongly that, that God has called us to lead this house. That he has given us a mantle and an authority to lead and guide. And we will, we will do that. But we do that together as a community of people, hence the name. We do that as, as a, a unified body who all have gifts. Jess and I don't have all the gifts that this house needs. We have a small part, but you guys carry those gifts as well. But you don't have everything that's needed. You carry a small part. So with my small part, Jess's small part, Coco's small part, Sean's small part, these things start to become big parts of what we're building and who we are. Does that make sense? So we are, are, are laying down to some degree the things of the old and allowing God to do something new. But I can't tell you what those things are until they arise. And I can't tell you what the new thing is until it arises. What, what if that is going back to pews and old hymn books? And I'm open to that, Lord. But what if it's not that as well? What if it is flashy lights? What if it is smoke machines? What if it is, you know, then I'm open to that, God. But we have to step it out as we go to say, Lord, is this yours? If it's not, we'll throw it out. Okay, that's yours. We'll put that in. Lord, is this yours? You don't really care. Okay, we're going to put that in or we're not going to put that in. But as we go and we build, what matters to me more than ever is what I'm about to explain now. The old pillars that we had, and I say old, not for way of they are redundant now, but for way of we're going deeper and I'm going to re-explain them. The old pillars were to reform, to focus, to disciple, and to go on mission. Right? To reform the body, to focus on Christ, to disciple the people, to go into the city, the nations, the nation and the nations of the world, and repeat the model. Right? That was what we were going for. And I still believe that that is the blueprint that God has given us. That's what he's asked us to do. 
But as I was praying in one of the last two weeks that I was in the, the office at Indy Court, God simplified this to me in a, in a way because there was this push in my heart of how do we as a people actually know that we're achieving these things that, as a community? How do we know when we're, when we're reforming back to focus on Christ? How do we know when we're being discipled? And what does mission actually look like? Especially during COVID, we couldn't go to Africa. So did we just stop mission or does mission look like something different? And when we say mission, what does it actually mean? So I really believe that God has changed those four things and he's given us three areas that we are going to explain tonight and then re-explain and re-explain and re-explain. Make it clear, make it clear, make it clear so that all of us can run with it. The first is our vision, our community vision, which is very simple, is to be image bearers of Jesus. Right? In the, in the very beginning, in the garden, God created us in his image, right? to carry his image. As N.T. Wright explains, it, to be a mirror back to the throne room, that we are mirrors of God. That when people look at us, they should see God. They should see the kingdom. They should see Jesus. Right? We become mirrors of him. So our, our community vision is to be image bearers of Jesus, to carry his image, not just here on Sunday evening, but in all that we do. In the subway line, at work, when we're on the phone to a telemarketer, in all the areas when we're driving down the highway, in all the areas of our life, we carry his image. The second one is our mandate or what we've been asked to do. So the first is our vision, which is to be image bearers of Jesus. The second is our mandate or what God's asked us to do. Jess and I argued about the word mandate. We, we discussed the word mandate. Should we keep it? But the theology in me wouldn't let me change it. And the reason is, is that mandate is a given thing, right? God has given us. And I want to be as bold to say as I don't think this is just for our community. I think this is for the church all over. But our mandate is very simple. To love God, to love people, to make disciples and to advance the kingdom. When Jesus spoke with severity and sincerity and he said, truly, truly, listen to me, what I tell you, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he says at another place, go into all the nations, right? The great commandment, go into all the nations and make disciples, go and make disciples and advance the kingdom everywhere you go. We can measure this in our lives every day. We know when we're loving God. We know when we're loving people. We know when we're discipling those who are around us. And we know when we are going and advancing the kingdom. That advancing the kingdom isn't just in the Horn of Africa. Although it can be, it's not just that. It's in every moment of every day of our life. We advance the kingdom by the way we carry who we are. You know, I was thinking, when we came into this building, I, I was sitting and, and meeting the, the manager of the building and on the desk was a, um, a little shroud, I don't know what to call it, like a, like a thing, right? And it had a little, I like to call him a demon house, but a little other god on it, right? And I started thinking to myself, whew, you know, I'm in this meeting, I'm supposed to be listening, but I, I, now I'm caught on this thing that's there. And I started thinking to myself, ooh, is this, should we? Bring a church here. Like, is this, do we need to bring some oil and anoint some things and hubba shove the place down in order to, you know, leave this thing? And then as I sat there longer, I started thinking, no, they should be thinking that about us. They should be thinking that about us to say, 
oh, I don't know if we want to put our, our yoga dance class in there because there's a church in there. There's a, a Holy Spirit that, that, that fills that room that uh, we don't really like. Right? We should be the ones that, that, that the world is going, oh, there's a church that meets there. That's a strong spirit. That's the strongest spirit that actually exists. Right? That's the spirit that makes the bad spirits bow. I don't know if we should, if we should do a yoga dance class there. Do they, do they, yoga dance class is a thing. It's a thing. I don't know. Like that. That's a yoga dance class. You're welcome. And there is dance classes on later if you'd like. No, there's not. That's other sign. But we come in and we, we establish the authority. Why? Because Christ died to give us that authority. When we come, we come with a power and the authority of Christ to say, no, no, we're here now. All those things must leave. All those things must flee. The, the spirit and the power of God that's in us forces those things to leave. So now when, when, when they walk in, they go, oh, there's been a church here, hasn't there? That spirit I've seen before that's just love and, and, and absolute power is frightening to me. Right? That's the spirit of God. Yes, Jesus is a loving, um, encompassing God. He's also a frightfully powerful God. Right? Frightfully powerful. So that's our mandate. The first is our vision, which is to be image bearers of Jesus. The second is our mandate, which is to love God, love people, to make disciples and to advance the kingdom. And the last is our core principle, which is to bring common unity around Jesus in the house, the city, the nation and the nations. We come and we unify in this place because of Jesus. Right? We've said this many times. There's a lot of us in this room. Debbie and I would not know each other the way we do if it wasn't for the unity of Christ. It's, it's the death, resurrection, ascension of Christ that allow Debbie and Molly and I to be very good friends. Right? The only way that would ever happen in the world is if I was their neighbour or had a, a close relationship with them. But because of Christ, we come to the same place and we unify in a way we normally wouldn't. Right? We unify around the death, resurrection and ascension of Christ, all three. It's not just the death of Christ. Watch the way Paul writes in the New Testament. In, in most of all of his letters, he writes about the power in the resurrection of Christ. Right? We focus on the death, but it's the resurrection that brings the power. But in that allows us to be friends. That's the unity around Jesus and who he is. It brings us together in the most unusual, different way possible. Right? It allows us to call each other friends, to call each other a community of people. Yeah. There was, yesterday, there was 20 people around that helped us move. Most of them I've known through church. Most of them I've known. We unpacked and repacked our house in less than 24 hours. Way too many boxes than I care to count. <laughs> Way too much stuff. But we did that because of a community of people who just came because of this, because of the death, resurrection and ascension of Christ. We call each other brother. And it was quite funny because my brother was asking me who some of the guys were and he's got to know quite a lot of you now. But he was asking, oh, who's that guy? I'm like, I don't know, man. He's, he's a friend. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? You know, he, I, I met him through church. Oh, he's a, he's a cool dude. Yeah. But you normally wouldn't have known him but because of this, right? Because of the unity of Christ. That's what our core principle is. 
is in this crazy world that we live in today, with all of the things that are dividing us and breaking us apart, the, the talk of COVID, the many different things that people are saying, the YouTube videos, this, that, the other, political things, all of these things that are causing to divide us. It's this that actually unites us. It's this that actually says, I don't care if you're a left winger, a right winger, you, you got the jab, you didn't get the jab, you wear masks, you don't wear masks, you like that football team, you don't like that football team. I really don't care about any of that because you are a brother because we unify around Christ. It's him that brings us together, not sets us apart. So in that, that is the principle that everything that we do and everything that we see flowing in and through this house needs to unify us to Christ, not disunify us. So what that means is that we have to catch each other's language. We have to start stopping each other in, in conversations that disunify us as the church, but, but rather should be unifying us as the church. If you heard something about the guy down the road, pray for him. Don't tell the guy next to you. Right? If you heard something about another church, don't, don't tell the guy next to you. Pray for them. Engage in, in an, a culture and an atmosphere that unifies the body of Christ. Doesn't disunify it. Does that make sense? So the first is our vision. To be image bearers of Jesus. The second is our mandate. To love God, love people, to make disciples, to advance the kingdom. And the third is our core principle. To bring unity Common unity around Jesus in the house, the city, the nation, and the nations. Now, I know there's a lot there. And I don't expect you to be able to, when I say, what's our, what's our mandate, to recite it. But we will know when we're doing our job if us as a people are living these things out. And I want to say that all of these things, I didn't think up in some back room. This is just the scripture. This is just the gospel. Very simple. Be image bearers of Jesus. Look like Him. Love God. Love people. Make disciples. Advance the kingdom. And unify around Him. That's just the gospel. That's the good news that, that, that Jesus spoke about. That's, that's the, the beautiful are the feet of those who carry it. Does that make sense? Does anyone have any questions?